This is Theo at Faultline Social, and this is my interview with Casey Cavalieri, guitarist for The Wonder Years. Uh, in the interview, Casey goes on to talk about his early formative musical experiences, uh, his time with The Wonder Years, all the way through to his current work at True Level Studio, where he's a producer. So I hope you guys find it interesting, uh, and yeah, enjoy it. Cheers. Going as far back as you would like to go, however that may be, uh, I just want to get a little bit of your, um, like, your formative years and your influences, you know, what kind of uh, first got you into into music? Was it like a musical household that you, you grew up in or was it? A right. F- yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, my dad played my dad. Um, he was a bass player, actually, and had had played from a young age and spent a lot of his teenage years um you know, playing cover bands all over. He grew up in uh, the Philly area as well um, and even gravitated. So I'm told was maybe more on the um, uh, reckless end of like the sneaking out of the house to go play like college frat parties with the band when he was like, you know, probably a little bit uh, on the younger end compared to everybody yeah, else. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, I don't know, um, you know, what kind of dynamic that led to uh, with the grandparents, but uh you know, <laughs> sure i'm sure he wasn't the perfect angel but so that um so it started from there my grandfather his father also uh very musical did a lot of composing um and from what i'm told i've even I had the chance to like see some pieces that he's done like like handwritten like before oh, wow. the days of Sibelius yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and everything you know what i mean where it's just like if you wanted to write something you had to you had to do it the old-fashioned way and transcribe it all by hand go find yep. players have them go you know to a studio and do it and that's you know the only way you're you're ever going to hear it um leave the page so um yeah so i think that was there you know there were pianos in the houses growing up grandparents house um and then that piano eventually found it to my, um, you know, the house that I grew up in. So there was always stuff to tinker with. And um, my parents were highly supportive of that as well. So that, you know, there yeah. wasn't, um, it wasn't any sort of a, uh, a rebellious angst, uh, so to speak yeah. that, um, that got me into, uh, music in that sense. No. So I, I was, I was very fortunate to have, have parents that not only had some experience with that, but were also willing to, even for all the things that my, uh, that my dad probably saw that gave him pause and, and terrified him to be like, really, he's going down this path. You're starting a band. <laughs> um, yeah. still against all, uh, all his instincts, um, to, sh- <laughs> to shut that down out of fear, uh, was, was highly supportive nonetheless. And, um, you know, I yeah. still have a couple of the, you know, like one of my favorite guitars, the Les Paul I played for years. That was, um, a, uh, a gift from him, uh, that held, you know, holds a lot of sentimental value. So I was very lucky in that sense. And that's probably the start. So I, you know, I've been playing even, you know, since like junior high elementary school, like worked my way up, but, you know, um, whether it was playing brass instruments, I was a trombone player actually. Oh, okay. Love, See, that's uh, interesting coming from the, uh, cause you know, a lot of people kind of pick up the guitar when they're 12, 13, 14, whatever, and, uh, well, guitarists anyway, I should say, uh, as you are, and they kind of go away with that. But, um, yeah, so you played the trombone. That's, um, was that not well, a cool I mean, instrument? Not cool enough? Right, yeah. So, um, <laughs> and that was, uh, so that was actually, um, you know, more of my, I, I guess, formal introduction to, yep. uh, to music, uh, reading music, playing in group settings, uh, more so than any guitar or bass. Obviously, like I said, there, you know, there was like, um, you know, a couple of basses lying around the house that, you know, my, you know, my dad probably hadn't played in years at that point, but, you know, so I, so I had those to tinker on, but it wasn't, it was really actually, uh, very early on with just like, um, you know, junior high band and finding my way into that. Uh, and I guess I picked the trombone cause I thought it was interesting and, and different. It is more. interesting. I'll give uh, you that. It's different. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It certainly is. I, I mean, I love it. I like, as far yeah. as, um, you know, we can go into that and how that probably also, um, in some way influenced what well, maybe we'll get into a little bit here, but probably, you know, uh, it's also a rather long winded thing, but my, uh, my, uh, affinity for, uh, a lot of like third wave ska and yeah. horns in rock and roll settings that kind of, um, you know, uh, found its way into that transition in high school and playing in, um, you know, even, a a ska cover band actually with, uh, Josh, the bass player, uh, 
of Wonder Years. So him and I have been playing side by side for, you know, over two decades now, actually. Uh. Um, but that was, you know, initially, I think my appreciation for that and like even, um, you know, playing a lot of that third wave ska stuff, learning whether it's like Less Than Jake songs, Five Iron Frenzy, yeah. Supertone yeah. stuff. Um, and being like, wow, like horns can be like cool, you know? Uh, well, they are, you know, I, I hear that in the Wonder Years stuff as well. You know, there's like, you know, definitely on, um, like suburbia there's tracks you know where you have the horns as well i think in, in like dan solo stuff as well he's like there's always a kind of a muted trumpet kind of mournfully going away in the background or something like that so yeah i, sure. I can see that it's, brass it's, is interwoven right yeah. right it, it, yeah. and it's such a it's such an amazing color and especially now yeah. you know this many years later i think I, I find myself thinking um about things um from not only um a purely like uh compositional standpoint but also from like a textural standpoint and when you get into the world of like um thinking about the different color that that certain instruments can bring and how they can um you know change the emotional contour of something i mean horns were that for me just like hearing like a trombone the bell of a trombone resonate and kind of like bark and speak like that and a lot of that really um really pushed kind of like rock music settings which is so cool and um so that's kind of where it started and you know played a lot of that and then yeah guitar wasn't um wasn't far behind i i, I definitely started um tinkering and, and and noodling and and you know uh fiddling my way through figuring out how to you know like write songs and, and um you know, learn songs off the radio, at, you know, in my bedroom, um, with yep. a guitar and a couple of power chords. Uh, yep. so, you know, that's how it so starts. I'm, that's half the like fun though, right? Wild, Just but, figuring yeah. stuff out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. By ear, you know, and, and I was lucky course, too, yeah. because, I, because I did have, like I said, because of, um, you know, uh, finding my way with, um, you know, in a, in a more concert band setting and then a jazz band setting later in high school, you know, I had some really, um, you know, uh, dedicated and inspirational mentors and a couple really, really key, um, you know, teacher figures that kind of, uh, maybe even more so than the, you know, formal training, uh, end of things or, uh, any sort of like performance lesson end of things, you know, had a really inspirational quality that kind of, you know, pushed some music, got us into, you know, some critical listening and appreciation of, um, a wide range of stuff. Uh, you know, so, um, so I had it on both ends. I was able to like read. I was never, you know, I, I, I would never say I was any sort of like classically trained protege from the, you know, by the time I, I left high school, by no means. And I haven't played trombone, um, you know, for quite some time aside from, you know, the, the curious, um, you know, like picking it back up for a second or two and dusting it yeah. off to see yeah. if it still, you know, makes sound, but, uh, um, or throwing it on like a, a song here or there for something just for fun. But, um, but yeah, that, um, you know, I was lucky in that way. So I had both, I had like the, what is this figure it out? Oh, that's, that's yeah. the chord. Uh, yeah. but then, you know, early on with guitar and that's mostly how I, you know, how I came to, um, you know, in a lot of ways, be the the guitar player that I am and, and approach things in terms of just figuring it out and uh, and a lot of trial and error stuff like, a, you know, like a lot of people do. But I was I was lucky enough to have at least, um, you know, the more uh, refined, like formal analysis, um, you know, from a couple key figures uh, throughout my life, not not just teachers, but also some of the producers that I had a chance to work with or see or watch in action in the way they excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like the best of both worlds, to be honest. That sounds, you know, kind of ideal. Um, you know, where's the fun in someone telling you how to do everything, right? You want to, it's kind of more gratifying that, you know, the first time you hear it smells like teen spirit, you figure it out and you're like, yeah. Totally. There's, I, there's, there's a, <laughs> absolutely. There's a wonderful excitement there. Yeah. Right. Um, and just like not having someone just be like, nope, this fret and then that one. And yeah. then that note, yeah. nope, that's wrong. Do it again. Um, and then, you know, really working at it and, and having that sense of accomplishment and, and, and you remember things too. I mean, like, you know, of a course. lot of people yeah. are, you know, are trained in terms of whether it's like talking about like the Suzuki method kind of stuff or where it's just like figuring out, you know, based on ear, you know, can really, um, you know, stick with you um from a cognitive perspective um you know and, and you really the things uh the things you, you learn by doing is is super important and i you know i i think a lot of what i put into play with whether it's one of your stuff or you know my own productions or whatever it's it's been 
just trying things and remembering, oh, I tried this on that and it, and it kind of worked, or I tried this on that. It didn't really work, but let me, let me take another crack at it here, you know, until you, until you really get it and progress that way. So, yeah, I mean, and also it comes down to like communicating with other musicians. I am glad I had a little bit of that basis because, you know, there are a ton of people having a lot of success, making incredible music that don't have, and that couldn't write a single note down or transcribe yeah. anything, but yeah. are thinking of some really high level stuff and from a performance capacity. And then there are people on the other side of it that just, um, you know, need to speak in, in that language, to, you know, to really convey it and get it across. So yeah. I think I, I am lucky in that sense to have enough of both sides of understanding to be like, cool, let's just ditch all that stuff and just, you know, talk <laughs> in terms of like right. color or ethereal, like characteristics, um, you know, and then understand, you know, I might, you know, the same day might have somebody in and just be like, okay, let's talk about this from a theoretical standpoint, maybe that chord, like this interval, this, you know, revised or whatever. So yeah, it did provide me with all that for sure. And, you know, I'm very, very lucky. And, and I think, you know, bouncing back and forth is, um, is something yeah. I do. Every Excellent. Day. So yeah, sounds obviously, you know, very musical background from both perspectives. Um, I'm just wondering if you could, is there a kind of a point, you know, could you pinpoint a moment uh, when you kind of realize that, you know, this is more than band practice, you know, this is more than me just in my bedroom, you know, whatever, strumming out some chords. Um, you know, it, when did you kind of realize that this could be like a full-time, like a full-time gig, I suppose? Was it when you got together with the guys from the Wonder Years or was it perhaps before that? You know, um, it's tough to say because the the Wonder Years uh, history and I, I guess arc of the band and as a career wasn't really, um, uh, I mean, I don't know, this information is probably out there and we've probably told this before, but it, yes, you know, yes. just in, in many ways, it, you know, it was never, um, you know, we in no way got together day one and said, okay, this is going to be the band that, uh, that defines the next 15 years of our, <laughs> of our lives and our career. Um, quite the opposite, actually. It was just like a little, uh, you know, momentary pause from all the other projects we were doing before, uh, you know, um, most of us were, you know, going away to college. So we just, you know, um, we're having a bit of fun. Uh, and I think that's probably maybe, uh, part of, um, what ended up, um, making it so successful was that we didn't, um, take it too seriously and hold it too, right. too closely and too tightly and squeeze the life out of it yeah. very early on by trying to round out all the details and be, and, and be perfect in its own way. And it, and it kind of organically allowed itself to find its way there. Um, so I don't know if there was any moment at that point, it, if there was it, you know, it might've been probably, you know, actually, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but, um, you know, right before, uh, we were about to release upsides, um, I think maybe we all had a feeling, you know, we had put a lot into that album, um, and had been touring, playing shows and, and felt, um, both locally, regionally, and, and, and a couple other cities, a bit of a groundswell where we were like, okay, um, you know, this is, you know, people are, are noticing and people are caring a little bit and, you know, and the shows we were playing there, you know, there was, um, starting to see, some pretty positive and, and energized response to even just some of the stuff that we released beforehand, whether it was the splits or just random songs. And so I think there was an excitement there where we were, you know, we had, um, we had signed, we were ready to put it out with no sleep and things moved pretty quickly after that then obviously. But uh, I think right there, I think there were, um, you know, sometimes even I remember, you know, being out in LA and, and doing the shooting, the, the artwork for that, uh, for the original cover, uh, of it and, uh, our longtime friend and, um, incredibly talented photographer, Mitchell Wojcik, uh, who's done a, a ton of, uh, Wonder Years related projects over the years. Um, we were at his, uh, apartment slash studio space. I can't quite remember, but I can picture it. And, uh, I remember being outside and, and feeling like, uh, you know, that moment where, uh, actually, ironically enough, this ties into, uh, another whole, uh, long tangential of a story that, that it kind of coincided with that time, which was, uh, our drummer, uh, Mr. Michael Dominic Kennedy, um, briefly choosing to take leave, um, from the band. Um, and I think that kind of put it into perspective too, for me, because up until that point, um, we were like, okay, we're here. And, and that, uh, I think gave me, gave me pause too, as well. And all of that coinciding where we were getting ready to, you know, to put this album out that we all felt really, uh, excited about, um, had worked, uh, put a lot of time in, and, and seemed like, uh, where everything had been heading for the, for the last couple of years. And, uh, and then at the same time having this moment where we're like, wait, but you're leaving, you're not going to be here. We just, 
took pictures of you for the record. Like, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, you're a part yeah. of this. Um, and obviously has a happy ending. He, that, um, that was a, a brief absence and, um, ha- has been back with us ever since, but, um, you know, and, uh, and again, as friends, we understood, you know, having to, you know, um, take an opportunity like that at the time and, and all that. But I think that challenged it. And that might've been one of the moments that I do remember feeling the weight of like, no, no, like we're like, I'm trying to like crunch the numbers. Like I, if, if we can like hit the ground running and I can like make X amount to like pay my student loan and, you know, just <laughs> enough rent and this, and the cell phone bill, like I, we're uh, until that runs out, like I'm going to do it. And, um, and, and having that conversation and, and wondering what, uh, what Mike leaving the band would mean and how that would affect things. And that was probably the moment for that. And, and I mean, going back even further personally, I guess, um, you know, probably long before wonder years was a thing and before any of uh, the other bands actually, um, even just like when I was much younger, 13, 14, like I said, picked up guitar, kind of started writing some songs and ended up with, uh, one of the first, uh, bands, um, that played in, you know, that was, more or less consisting of uh probably bad green day covers and uh and whatever like uh alt rock um songs were uh on our local radio station at that time and, and getting traction on those uh just doing a, a bad iteration of those uh oddly santana covers because we had a keyboard player um nice. <laughs> that uh wanted to uh, use some organ patches. Um, and, uh, but then also writing, you know, some, um, some songs and and kind of getting my feet wet with that kind of stuff and actually finding my way into a place where a couple of those songs, um, were actually taken, um, and and recut by what I, uh, you know, from my perspective at that young age, uh, was a real professional band that, you know, with a guy that could, had a quite incredible radio voice and were, you know, seasoned musicians and pros and, um, and hearing uh, one or two of those songs that um, that I had actually worked on um, with uh, an incredible guitarist, uh, musician, uh, and producer um, by the name of Greg Howe, actually, who runs in like a lot of the um, G3, like Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, and Wee Malmsteen kind of circles, like virtuosic guitar players. Um, and that's a, another whole long story of um, weird connections of um, people that... Um, that I came to know, uh, musicians through my dad and, and people that he worked with. Um, and, uh, that was kind of the, the moment where hearing those where you're just like something that started out, like just on an unplugged, like out of tune guitar in the bedroom, you know, was taken to f- and can sound real, so to speak, yeah. can, um, you know, can be brought to that next level. Uh, I think that early on and seeing, um, the way actually Greg himself, even, even though I was just a 14 year old who admittedly was not a good singer, uh, was probably not at all a great guitar player at that point, uh, being very early on, um, but still seemingly uh, gave me the time to sit down with me, work through some of these songs and, and and thought highly enough of them to bring them, you know, to other people that he respected. I think that instilled an early confidence of like, maybe there's something there. If he's, if, if someone, you know, uh, of that caliber um, and that kind of professionalism and experience is, is taking, you know, the time to actually take a look at this and, and work with me on it. So, so I, you know, I owe him a lot uh, for his honesty and, um, and, and taking that time and seeing that. And I, and I ended up doing some, some other co-write stuff with him early on too. So I, that was probably the moment where I was like, I did, I think that I was like, this is it. I'm going to be a professional musician. No, not at all. Um, but I think it, uh, it lit a fire that still, you know, in everything I do is kind of there. And, and I look at that too, to this day and, and realize, you know, how important that can be, even just yeah. whether it's mentoring somebody younger, um, you know, or, or passing some advice along, or even just saying, Hey, honestly, you're doing great. That's awesome. I'm a huge fan, which I all the time say that there's a lot of young bands doing some incredible things. And, um, sometimes it, it's just as simple as honestly, I love that song. Yeah. Well done. Good, you know? yeah. And, and hearing that and, and having lived through the experience of hearing, um, of hearing that from other people that we, you know, that we grew up idolizing too, and, and coming to know them as people and being like, wait, you know who my band is. And be like, wait, you like that song? You, <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, that's pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, it's, that was probably the other moment. For that's really cool, man. And that's pretty much what you are doing now. Right. Cause obviously the whole true level thing you're in, you're in the perfect position to kind of fulfill that role. Yeah. And 
we will i want to just do one a couple more wonder years things before we move on to that but sure. yeah i definitely want to like find out about your production style and stuff like that it sounds like you're very kind you're very uh <laughs> very very uh, i try to be because I've, yeah. I've heard plenty of horror stories <laughs> yeah. from uh musicians or producers or you know bands that that are not so that's we've always tried to be um you know keep a, a very humble perspective in that in that way for sure so yeah of um, course so um Going back to the Wonder Years very briefly, there was the uh, the, the releases Breakless and Out on My Feet. Yes. Um that have just come out. So those were written in, in the style of suburbia. Obviously that's coming up to its its ten year anniversary. Like yeah. how was it to kind of revisit that style? And um did you kind of approach those tracks in a different way than you would have perhaps ten years ago? Uh, right. after the um, initial recordings. Yeah, well, you know what's funny? So um well, first of all, I'll start off by saying it was uh, an incredible experience and a lot, um, an amazing amount of fun for us, and and something that, uh, again, like I said, uh, I was very grateful to have um, the opportunity to focus on a project like that uh, this year um, and uh, and bring something like that to fruition. And as a band, it, you know, I think it was wholly gratifying for us, but also a fun you know, look back on everything too. And also in the, you know, in that way, like realizing kind of how far we've come in what ways we've kind of, um, you know, pushed our sound and writing. Um, and also, you know, it's a, it's a cool way of, um, of identifying what things are and or have become uniquely wonder years uh, in their own way. Maybe, you know, with us realizing it along the way, but then, you know, I, I still look back at, at old records um, or, you know, I'll, I'll catch something randomly when I'm not expecting it. It comes on a playlist or something. And I'm like, so weird that I, I forgot. I, you know, <laughs> forgot I played that or made that choice. Um, and I do occasionally think um, just in general, it's like, what would the, what would that choice be like now? How different would it be? You know, um, am I just saying that because I have the distance on it or, you know, realistically, if I was there in the driver's seat, like, all right, right apart to, you know, to put here, would it really, how close would it end up? So this was a cool thing to actually walk through those steps, um, with ideas that, uh, that were actually, um, formulated, during that time period and we're, and we're left over from, um, inspirations and little fragments that, um, soup had written, you know, um, lyrically ideas, obviously that are referential to that time period. And, um, with, uh, with breakless and song, you can hear it's like, um, talking about, um, you know, the job in his, and that time in his life uh, yeah, in some ways, yeah. um, but also trying to, you know, make them, um, feel current in, uh, in the sense of like a production in our approach as well. And, and what we've learned and what we've come to know and do. And, uh, I thought, uh, I thought we really kind of did it. We got the team back together. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and obviously, uh, Steve Evitz who, uh, have learned so much from and is an incredible friend and, um, an extremely talented guy. Uh, and we've had, uh, we've done so much work with him over the years and spent so much time with him, um, that it was, uh, really fun to, again, just, you know, get to do just to, well, no, I want to say be in the same room, uh, but that's not exactly how it happened as right, you right, yeah. uh, can imagine this year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, um, I think it was, it was cool to see all of us, um, deal with that, you know, remote kind of, uh, beaming in FaceTime, you know, uh, session, um, type stuff. Uh, but also, you know, realize that, you know, we've learned a lot and, and anticipated a lot from our time and the work we've done with him. And, uh, and then, yeah, to have, um, Vince Ratty, who actually, who we did, uh, track and produced upsides, um, fittingly, um, and has, uh, done a lot of, uh, work with us, uh, over the years since then as well. Um, he's become quite a, um, an incredibly sought after mix engineer, uh, in our genre and outside. And so it's been cool to see that progression, um, for him and come back and, and have him do this and kind of put both of those key figures, uh, in wonder years history, um, you know, together on one project was, was awesome. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we had a great deal of fun and I think they, uh, 
you know, there were moments where we were like, what would we have done back then? And sometimes it, you know, uh, it boiled down to a little bit of a joke. It's like, well, I probably would have played something like this that was definitely <laughs> unnecessary or dumb. So yeah. I'll not do that. Um, you know, it's but uh, you can re- kind of edit yourself as time goes on. Right. That's because, you know, it's. It, it, I was going to come back to that because it's something you kind of said earlier. It was interesting to see the way that you did change just like as, as an overview. Uh, it's very clear to see that evolution in the sound of the band. Like it's, it's striking actually from the the start, you know, you kind of said, Oh, well, this is kind of like a joke or whatever. And then you kind of guys get right. into the deeper stuff, more serious. And yeah, there is like I've, across the records, there is a clear evolution. I just wonder what you think of that. And, and, you know, if the, if the, if the band continues, you know, what, what kind of would you see as the next step in that evolution? Right. Yeah. I, I, well, it's no doubt. And, you know, we grow as people, uh, you know, especially across the last 15 years and, the world doesn't stop turning. Um, you know, the, the things that continue to influence and inspire us, but, you know, musically, emotionally, socially, like a lot of those things, uh, are always evolving and always changing. So, um, well, it's been conscious for us, you know, uh, on the last couple of records of like, well, where can we push? How can we push? Um, whether it's in instrumentation, whether it's dynamics, whether it's in the way we approach writing, you know, that that's definitely been a, a conscious thing for us, you know, and, uh, and in many ways, yeah, calculated because we want to, we want to push ourselves and, and always be making music that is, um, fulfilling to fulfilling to fans or, you know, people that have come to have a relationship with the band and our music, but, um, but it's fulfilling to us and, uh, to play and, and stuff that we can, you know, always wholeheartedly get behind and want to walk out onto a stage and want to play and get us, you know, as, uh, as excited and impassioned about it as possible. Cause I think that's what, you know, people have come to, like, I talked about what's decidedly wonder years. I think that's, you know, I, I would hope anyway, what people have come to, um, see and expect from us as a band is, you know, us putting our most authentic uh, and heartfelt foot forward uh, in anything we do. Uh, and sometimes that involves challenging ourselves to find new new places, new ways to push, new ways to tread into slightly uncomfortable territory and see what's there. And, and sometimes maybe, it, you know, we decide that it, uh, that it works. Sometimes it, it doesn't, um, you know, turn out the way we thought it could. But I think doing those experiments is really important for us in growing and also, um, you know, for people that are growing and changing along with us, you know, it's like the world is not just changing our world is not just changing and evolving. We are much like everybody else living through all of this. We're all living through this 2020 year and everything it threw at us, um, just like everybody else is. And, uh, I think the evolution of our sound and music is inevitable. I, um, but that being said, I think, uh, you know, there is a time to, to sit there and say, well, I don't want to just go and make like an unlistenable noise record just because it's different than whatever. It's like there is, you know, a decided crossover of all of our, you know, musical tastes and influences, like I said, that I think is decidedly wonder years, even if we, you know, aren't always trying to like define it, um, you know, completely. So as far as uh, the next evolution of it, um, I, I don't think there's there's never, you know, we're starting to just get into that process now, um, you know, uh, and always kind of writing new material and talking about just like any other musician would be like things that, you know, that crop up that are like, wow, this is really interesting. Or I've been really into this genre or, you know, um, or this, you know, these couple artists lately and what they're doing and where they're, you know, um, potentially trying to go with, you know, with their sound. And so I don't think we, you know, we, we don't have any, um, you know, perfectly, uh, formulated blueprint for like, well, it's going to have some heavy sitar vibe and, um, <laughs> yep. there's not going to be a single guitar on the record. It's well, like, you can dust off the trombone. You can. Right. Right. It's going in this record. Well, don't give away too much. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I've already said too much, uh, yeah. but in that way, it's like, there's, cer- there's certain things that, yeah. We've got three of them. So a Wonder Years record's probably gonna have some guitar on it. And it's right, probably gonna yeah. it's probably gonna ha- be, you know, some impactful guitar. And there's probably yeah. gonna be an effect or two there. And you're probably <laughs> gonna have, you know, some of the other assets that we have in terms of like, you know, a killer rhythm section between Josh and Kennedy that's 
that's going to make itself known, you know, um, and, and do what it does. So it's, it's an exploration process for us, you know, um, and it's the songs that we write and where they go at this point. I think we're all kind of in a place of what songs are we going to write? What stories are we going to try and tell that, you know, that are worth being told and are going to, you know, resonate for us. And how do we characterize those emotions and qualities and bring that and make sure that, when we want something to hit you in the face, musically, it's going to hit you in the face. And when we want something to draw you in, it's, it's going to hopefully do that and, and bring and bring it to a really, really intimate place where you feel the weight of it. Um, and what, uh, and what Dan's trying to do lyrically as well. So, um, so yeah, it's like, uh, hopefully that answers your question. I, you know, I know it's it certainly funny. does. Yes. That's a very comprehensive answer. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much. Yeah. Let's get into the true level stuff. Cause this is obviously like quite a big part of, um your life now so you've had the the production degree for a number of years now right was that um did you kind of see that as wanting to kind of help the band a little bit you thought if i can kind of produce as well that's a good thing or was it just something you were always interested in and you wanted to kind of just take it forward and maybe do it as another career if if music wasn't you know going to be forever what kind of kind of generated that interest yeah well you know so first and foremost like i said uh the background in my relationship with, uh, music and, uh, and writing, uh, and performing, you know, like most people starts out with trying to deconstruct, uh, and or figure it out, whether it's just that, what is that chord progression? Cool. I can now emulate that chord progression. And so I think there's a natural progression, especially, you know, uh, throughout high school, starting to play in bands, starting to write more, um, you know, within the confines of those bands, see what things sound like, what things, what songs come off like in a live setting. Um, and also just being a fan of music, true, like truly and, and growing up and, and being, um, being influenced by all the records, you know, as a kid that, re- you know, that really hit hard, whether it be in this genre or on like a, a much more mainstream setting, even, um, you know, uh, I think that's kind of where it starts and a, a general curiosity of, man, how do they get it to sound like that? You know? And then, um, or it just sounds so perfect or so, um, or so amazing, whether, you know, wherever I'm listening to it. Um, and at first it's like, you're fixated on, man, that song's awesome. I love singing along to it, or I love playing that guitar part along with it, you know, and learning, you know, a couple songs, um, and, and feeling that, um, you know, that inspiration. But then I think at a certain point, um, you know, you start writing and, and early on, you know, even in like the, um, you know, we've seen quite a transition in home recording and, you know, from the, from the world of garage band, you know, to logic to, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, digital, um, home studio setups, which, uh, are, um, do a number of things for the industry as a whole. But I think first and foremost, you start writing things and then you start demoing them. Right. When I was younger, I, I talked about that, you know, that band that Josh and I first uh, played in when we were kids, I had a task cam four track tape recorder, you know, that it was just like, and I had to figure out, uh, okay, well, we're writing this song. We don't want to forget it. Right. You're doing that cool thing on drums. And I like have this guitar thing, let's just figure out a way with this four track, I can set up a mic that's like one's kind of in front of the drums. One's kind of in front of the bass amp. And ah, that's, well, maybe if I just face my guitar amp at it, I can, it'll hear enough of both of those. Right. Um, so, uh, it starts out as that to kind of, uh, just capture a representation and and timestamp something and remember it. And then, uh, I think that, you know, lent itself into like a, you know, I was like, well, I want, I want to be able to like record a more, a couple more tracks so I can like, you know, overdub an idea or play with stuff to, you know, write on top of whatever idea. Um, and it just snowballs from there. Right. Because then I think the curiosity, um, that you start out, that started out from like being like, well, what is that? What is he playing on guitar in that song? Oh, I figured it out. Then turns to, well, why doesn't the guitar, when I put a mic in front of this guitar (laughs) amp, Why doesn't it sound like the guitar on this, you know, my favorite rock record right, right. now? Yeah, you know? sure. Um, it's a, it's and, a science, right? You know, right. And, half, and half an album's made or braid on, uh, made right. or broken, I should say. On a, right, right. On and a lot of that, too, 
Yeah. And we'll get into this in a little bit, probably too, in terms of like my overall like philosophy and, and yeah. where, you know, where it stands currently uh, in its, uh, in its growth. But like, I think, I think that curiosity is just, uh, and I'm still there, right? It's just like, I feel like if I'm 80 and still making records and still making music, I'll still feel like, God damn, how'd they get that friggin' snare sound? <laughs> like, what yeah. is that effect? You know, and it's, and it's part of that allure that's, you know, it almost works as this other, um, this other end of the the spectrum in terms of what goes into music and, and and admiring not just musicians and and people that write these songs and people that perform these songs and put on incredible shows doing it uh, with those songs as the vehicle, but then the people that look at it and say, "Well, we've got to timestamp this and and put forth this time capsule of this song and the choices that they make to you know to make um, you know these." to make sure these songs are represented in that way that, that gives them life and, and, and turns them into what they become. Right. And so I can think it kind of goes back to, like I even said, my grandfather's just like looking at handwritten, you know, small chamber orchestral compositions on a page. And you are the person that's turning that into how it will live in, um, yeah. you know, in a completely different sensory medium um, and, and, and trying to, ever since like figure that out and even in with wonder years plays a huge role and not necessarily you know producing in the conventional sense of those records but learning a lot along the way from guys like steve that we you know we've we've worked with and have done a ton of records across um you know the genre spectrum and have, have picked up a ton of tricks and um and methodology along the way and even guys like joe um you know who are like uh, Joe Ciccarelli, who we did Sister Cities with, you know, sitting alongside and having those creative conversations about your own art and their perspective and their tastes, um, you know, uh, clearly they've led him to a, a couple Grammys uh, and and that kind of perspective, uh, you know, all goes into informing things that, you know, that I'd like to try or things that I know worked for that, um, you know. But then also being like, man, well, now I feel like uh, I can go even further, you know, um, and it just it continues to even in its own way, breed that curiosity of like, well, now I have a hundred more things I want to try, you know, and it's it's this ever adding cue. So I think that's kind of really where it got into is that pursuit um, of all of that, for sure. Uh, and Wonder Years and writing Wonder Years stuff as I do, even just demoing it, um, you know, early on. Uh, and, and trying to like, you know, write a riff or come up with a part, um, even being like, well, we should probably double that part and, and maybe add this little thing. So it makes sense when I play it for the guys. Right. right. Um, yeah. and, uh, and it, so that's really just that, um, you know, that, uh, that downhill momentum of, of curiosity. You know? So I think you've pinpointed like part of the problem there, really, you know, obviously, as you said, notes on the paper between what goes into your ear, there's a very big space between what happens to that. Right. So yep. obviously the production is a huge part of that. When someone else uh, brings you a song, right? So it's it's not your work. So you kind of have no idea what to expect going into it. The possibilities are kind of limitless, right? In terms of you know what you can do as a producer to kind of get a specific sound. Um, like how on earth do you begin to uh, approach that creatively? Do you find that um, you have kind of an idea of what you want to do before you go into it, or is it more about kind of serving what their song would be? Uh, what what kind of sound they're trying to achieve? Yeah, so I so I think it's definitely it's probably both of those actually. Um, yeah. You know, uh, first and foremost, I, I think it depends on it depends on the artist. Honestly, um, you know, in terms of uh, I'm very I very much find myself um, you know having a bit of somewhat. I think nowadays too, it's it's even more imperative just because of the nature of things and how quickly they move and how, how everybody is adapted, even, you know, like this year adapted to working remotely. I've been doing like remote coaching or songwriting sessions like that, you know, with whether it be a band in Budapest or a band across the country and getting songs ready and then them coming in and tracking and, and things like that. Um, so the process is never necessarily the same, but it's always artist dependent in, in a lot of ways. And I mean that to say that like knowing where to start with a song, uh, you know, that a band brings, uh, sometimes that's informed by how much that band already has established or knows about their own identity. Right. So I, I think I always, I default to looking 
to the band or to the artist and what their vision is for it and how, uh, how developed that is. Right. So, and sometimes, you know, working with a band right now that has put out a couple albums, right. A band that, you know, a lot of people definitely, uh, know from our world and from years ago, and uh, so they've been through the process, right? They've been in the studio. They've tra- they've done that translation of their songs to record, and they know what they liked, what they didn't like. So they already have some informed decisions um, to start the conversation on that, right? Or just be like, "Hey, so I know our records sound like this, but what we really want is something that's a little bit more this way." And then I'd be like, "Okay, cool. Let's talk about how we can achieve that." And then sometimes, you know, younger younger bands. Um, you know, which, uh, and this is not a bad thing. It's actually like sometimes an exciting thing because I remember what it was like to work with people, um, whether it was producers or older musicians, you know, that had certain tastes that I really respected and and liked, um, that had, you know, input to bring something like that to, to the next level. Like I mentioned, even as a kid hearing like just a shitty demo turn into like a radio quality, like rock song, you know, uh, and being that impressed and, and learning so much from that, it really, uh, sometimes I realize that it's about an exploration and I have some ideas that I can, you know, lend to them in the process of, of bringing it to, you know, maybe a place that they were unsure it could go, or, um, you know, maybe they want to get to a certain place. They just don't have no idea what that means, uh, in terms of translating into like a sonic blueprint. Right. Um, or the song's really good, but they've just never felt like the recordings capture the energy of the song. So, so it, it works both ways. And obviously, you know, working with the younger band and, and doing, making a lot of, it's all about choices and decisions and in the micro sense um, with every song, you know, there might be hundreds uh, of choices to make that ultimately song by song, by album, by album define uh, an identity of a band, which like we, you know, talked about the one, you know, wonder years with everything we put out there, each one of those little choices or songs or places we go all kind of work together to do that. So it's about having a little bit of a vision. And if they don't have that, trying to maybe like help them find a, a really, uh, honest and authentic place to start with it. Right. And sometimes that's yeah. about the conversation that we have up front. Be like, I like this record. I like this record. Be like, okay, that's a great place to start. Yep. That, you know, that. we know yeah. <laughs> that it's this instrumentation and we know that that means the song needs to feel and work live in a room. So that's why, you know, the process will change. Um, I, I, I'll see how much I can glean from them and their history uh, and experience and what they can articulate about a vision. And then beyond that, yeah, you, you mentioned serving the song, which I am the largest proponent of. Right. And, um, and, and that's a, you know, another whole thing that might even be another uh, question um, uh, that you have, but um, I am very much about uh, making choices that uh, will take a core song and bring it to that next level um, in terms of whether it's professionalism, in terms of impact, and ultimately in terms of uh, honesty and authenticity, because I think that's something that you see now in a lot of the music too that um, the younger bands are making. Um, it's uh, I feel like it's almost this. Um, when I was growing up, like in the in the '90s, um, you know, it was a very like polished like alternative rock radio was very much like you know whether it was like Sugar Ray Fly like is the single <laughs> on their album, but the rest of it is like this odd, weird like punk. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know, you know. Um, and it was like a lot of one hit wonder, like very polished rock records, which I love and were very inspirational yeah. to me sonically. But, you know, and nowadays you'll, you see a lot of bands doing a lot of things where it's much more about like telling stories, not worrying about, you know, whether it's rhyme scheme or how perfectly tuned the vocal is and all of those things still exist. But I think it's always interesting in understanding where the honesty is, you know, um, and where the conviction is. So. Yeah, I think, well, what you said about the, you know, the, the single friendly, I think that's sort of, you know, um, very much the label influence, right? They're like, this is your single. This is what you're putting out. This is what we're going to play on the radio. Then the album releases then. Um, yeah. So that's how, so that's how I treat it to answer, yeah, you know, of, the, of course. To answer yeah. the question. And, um, and I mean, getting into the process, it's, you know, much more um, in depth than that, obviously, but that's the, you know, the general approach, whether it's a young man understanding what they you know, want to do and 
and trying to to find a way to get there using you know the experiences and things that I've tried or trying new some new stuff with them. Yeah, I think it's worth perfect. It. Just figuring it out as you go, right? Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and honestly, like a lot of stuff uh, bands, uh, you know, specifically, it's like uh, I will say that like. I am a, uh, and this only works for certain bands, but a lot of bands in our genre, and this is, I, I mentioned, you know, um, you know, a lot of bands that are, you know, nowadays pushing against like not doing, doing less of a singles thing and, you know, it being more story driven and lyric driven and, and, um, and, uh, self-referential in, um, in a lot of those ways, um, you know, uh, for me and for wonder years, it's always a lot of times been, uh, does this work in a room? Cause if it works and makes us feel something just playing it live in a room, then it's going to work on the floor of a VFW hall, uh, right. when we're playing it at a show. And if it works there, not always, but pretty typically it means that there's something there that can potentially translate to each level of growth in a band's career. And I think that's also a really huge contributing factor that I try to like bake into the way I treat a lot of um, songs and or whatever is like, is this going to work live? How's this going to sell, you know, and come across live if you're playing it in a club with a sound guy that doesn't give a shit, you know, it's like, is that song's, <laughs> oh, yeah, is somebody exist, still, yeah. <laughs> you know, is somebody going to still hear yeah. it? Right. Jaded sound guy. Um, yeah. and it, which is what I'm trying so hard every day not to become, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. I understand him and feel his woes. Believe me, jaded <laughs> sound guy, uh, wherever you are, I, maybe even know some of them and I'm friends with some of them. And, uh, you know, but, um, I think, yeah, it's like that for me is like trying to impress upon that. It's like, is the song great? Does it like really make some, you know, some memories, um, for people that listen to it and inspire them, then it's going to work. It then, then the sound almost shouldn't matter. The sound matters. Obviously that's why I'm sitting here and, and, you know, you know, people jump through hoops to get the best possible sounding stuff nowadays, but, there's so much lo-fi stuff out there too that like has its own charm and works. And sometimes it's balancing and knowing what, what is really the most important element or why a song works really well or is, uh, or is gonna, is gonna translate. So, you know. And I suppose, well, I would, I mean, from my, my perspective, I would say that was probably the toughest part of your job, right? Uh, you know, just being able to pinpoint, okay, I have all this information, all these techniques, all this knowledge available to me. It's like, how am I going to use it best? With, I mean, it's it's what you don't play, right? Or what you don't what you don't use in the production process? Would you say? Would you say that's a fair fair right. analysis? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, and I and I try not to like frequent uh, or find myself too deeply in the like uh, wormhole of like gear and audio forums. There's a ton of information. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. many people that are yeah. honestly way smarter than me, uh, yeah. and way more knowledgeable on that subject. Um, I have great people and great friends that I rely on, uh, some my studio partners that are just like from the acoustics end of things and, um, and gear stuff. Um, I leave a lot of that up to them or defer to them with, with certain questions. If I don't know, I can't pretend to, there's no way anybody can truly know it all, but I know right. some guys that yep. are pretty close. Um, yeah. so, um, I tend to, yeah, I tend to use, uh, you know, try to use the part of my brain that allows me to distance myself and, uh, you know, fall into, uh, I was going to mention, but I'm sure, um, very, uh, very common on those forums are probably some form of a meme that talks about how like the most important knob for a mix engineer is the mute button. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, something like that effect, but it's, you know, there's, there's truth in that and, and things like that. And that, and that, I think that does, you know, talk you know, speaks to, you know, your ability to consistently be able to self edit too. And for musicians, sometimes that's really hard. And I think that's why even with wonder years, that's why, well, we have, you know, some guys that are very technically savvy in the band and like doing this kind of stuff. Um, you know, we usually pull somebody else in to be that editing role and to extend that trust to, because we know that, you know, that is a role that uh, as a band, it allows us to all function as band members and musicians first and not have to feel like we're wearing too many hats, uh, but also, you know, distance ourselves from the potential of just like being unable to just like get rid of something. Right. Um, because we, we have a, like an innate attachment to it. Um, but if it doesn't serve the song or serve the, or it serves the song in a different way than what we intended, um, it's nice to have someone there as a, um, 
a refining filter that can edit that. And I think um, that's wholly important. And yeah, something that I work on every day, you know, I'll pull up a track and be like, cool. I have this, I have a mix going. I think it, I think it sounds cool, but like what's really doing it for me. Right. And sometimes I'll just like, I'll edit the, I'll, I'll mute the vocals for a second. Okay. Let me mute the bass. All right, let me mute the drums to hear what's really giving me that, you know, that moment and, and combining and creating that energy. And so I think that's, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it really is about, uh, what not to do or, um, restra- self-restraint, which right. is yeah. <laughs> something musicians about, sometimes find difficult, right. But you know, if you want to uh, talk about <laughs> the evolution of sound, yeah. whether it's wonder years or us, I think that's a completely fair word to yeah. throw in the mix. Um, you know, cause that's definitely something that I've noticed, um, about myself, uh, our band and a lot of other bands, you know, and their progression. So um one of the ones we always ask is you know if you could go back in time uh and kind of see any gig you know or, or experience any kind of musical moment um where, where would you go and, and why Ooh, wow um that's a that's a really good one i you know um yeah. actually funny uh, funny enough so um in the like quarantine void that has been this year um i i have managed to uh slip into um, a YouTube wormhole or two, uh, with, um, my good friend and actually our guitar tech LJ, um, uh, and somehow found ourselves watching old, um, actually Woodstock 94, not the OG, but 94 <laughs> and 99 yeah. performances, yeah. some of which were, uh, more on the joke end and some of which were, um, uh, everybody, uh, your readers included, and I cannot um, state this highly enough, uh, should go back and if they want a true masterclass um, in uh, live performance, uh, my opinion now after going down that uh, rabbit hole is that Alanis Morissette's 94 Woodstock performance is the best performance of that entire festival. Oh, uh, wow, this yeah. was like right before or right as Jagged Little Pill was coming out. Um, But like, as she was like about to explode. And if you watch that performance, her band, her, the way she goes off book with songs, like people now know, and, you know, and does like some, some ad lib improv stuff. That's like, Oh my God, that's even better than the record. How is that real? When's the last time I heard somebody do a song live and you're just like, that's, even better and you're like you know under the guise of playing in the middle of the day on a hot stage like all this stuff um but so she was incredible but anyway suffice to say i think maybe like the og woodstock is always like an interesting um an interesting thing you see um i think as um as uh, members of this generation and our like perspective being like that 99 woodstock and what that was and and who was involved in that um and then you see, uh, you know, the romanticized footage of the OG Woodstock. And um, I think that would be an interesting thing that not to say that, like, you know, musically, there are bands from that classic era that I'm like, I need to see like Hendrix, you know, like do this. But I think to understand the climate and what it was really like versus what I maybe like uh, assume or people of my generation like assume it might have been like. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and just to see, um, you know, socially and, and musically how different, um, you know, and or similar, um, you know, that was from the, uh, the new iteration of it. I think that would be a cool throwback. Yeah, I think there's definitely, that has been parodied many times in our culture where, you know, the 99 Woodstock was very much, this is the corporate version of the 60s version. Right. So, you know, it would be interesting to see if that was actually the case or not. You know, I think we're quite cynical about that in general, but right. it was, and, it was and, probably and, a pretty and, sick festival. Right. <laughs> and, for, and, you know, and, and, that, and that's why I think it's just like, if I'm going to go back, it's like, I, I think I'd at least learn a little bit about the judgments or the preconceived notions I had about what that was like, um, (laughs) good or bad, really. I'm not even saying, you know, I'm, I'm assuming one way or the other either. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, uh, another thing we always ask is, you know, what have you kind of been listening to lately? I'm guessing it's been a lot of kind of guys that you're working with in the studio, right? That's kind of taking up a lot of your time, but if you were to kind of unwind, you know, relax, uh, maybe draw some inspiration. Is there, do you have like a go-to record or like a go-to genre, anything particular like that? Let me see. I, dude, honestly, uh, what, what's funny is I'm kind of, I'm always all over the place. Um, 
you know, I, I looked at this recently and even like my like new release playlist, my release radar is just like that of a madman where it flips back from like a classical like piece to yeah. like this like this like indie rock like ambient thing to this like you know like new release from something from our world that's a little bit more like punk like rock tinge to like a straight up like lush vocal pop thing to like whatever new release so it's like it really honestly bounces all over the place but um you know that is to say that um i mean i think from our world um and this is probably no surprise uh i love um a lot of what um Spanish love songs did with their with their album this year. Um, oh, Brave Faces, yeah, that was right. Yeah, I think, that, that I think, hit me hard. That was a good record, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought and that I was cool. we, um, yeah, and and so I think that um, I think that was a really um, awesome release, and I, I hope um, you know that next year sees them picking right back up and and hopefully you know not losing a step with it because that's also um, a really incredible group of uh, of very talented people um, and very. Uh, very good people. So I only want the best for them yes, uh, by any means. Um, and uh, you know what? I will honestly, uh, I'll do a shameless plug here in the sense because I did work on this album. Oh, okay. um, but the uh, a band by the name of Honey Jar from Philadelphia, which is actually one of um, my good friends and um, one of uh, my studio companions, uh, Adam Ackerman. Um, who used to play in, um, in sorority noise. Um, he's an incredible musician, guitar player, um, and all around great guy. But, um, he, in the last two years, um, has put together, um, kind of like a vintage seventies indie dream pop kind of Fleetwood Mackie sounding thing. Um, and they just put out their album, um, fine. So they've been releasing singles and stuff, um, for a while now, but they just put out their, their album Moonbeam on, uh, uh, on Friday. So I have been listening to that just because it's been back in and the excitement has been building. Um, and, and now that it's finally out, um, and people are, are hearing the whole thing and, and a lot of the deeper cuts and stuff. Um, so I, and I do, I love that both, um, you know, at being involved with the record, but also, uh, just as a fan, I, I think it's a really cool, um, finds a really cool space, um, you know, that's different in like a, you know, in an indie, pop way but also just as really um really beautiful songs and really catchy songs uh which are you know two uh two boxes i i always like to check when i can so that's a that's i think a good one that's that's definitely been in rotation or um you know on the forefront having seen it just be released and yeah i think those you know those are good there's uh, there's a ton of great stuff and a lot of people out there and it's just i'd feel I'd feel so weird because I know I'm going to miss something and it just in true yeah, fashion, yeah, like we'll yeah, hang up here course. and I'll just be like, shit, this one guy, <laughs> like, I'll get, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll get in the car and I'll be like, why didn't I say this? This is, I've been listening <laughs> to this nonstop. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, I mean, I think those are two really good ones. Um, and honestly, I, you know, I love, um, and we, uh, we also, uh, we worked with Carlos de la Garza worked on, uh, sister cities as well. Who's, um, he's an awesome guy and, you know, incredible producer that's building a name for himself, but he worked on, um, some of Haley, uh, Williams solo stuff, her, her oh, okay. uh, project yeah. and yeah. those songs. Oh man. I, I love them. I, I love, what uh i love what they came up with what they did uh you know been a fan obviously like paramore and, and the way that they've evolved um you know over their career as well but uh this solo solo record of hers i think it captured some stuff really rhythmically and emotively in such a cool way so i i've definitely uh that's been around in my space um whether it's just like you know uh, playing it at the house or, you know, pops up, creeps up on playlists. So that also too, it's, well, it's not a- as new now is one of the things that I think, uh, is a, uh, extension of something that is very, um, you know, a huge staple in our world, Paramore being, uh, you know, a very large, uh, force in this genre for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sure, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is, um, thank you so much for giving up your time to do this. This has been, uh, thoroughly enjoyable for me. Um, yeah, yeah well. it's always fun um, I, if you, yeah you haven't I realized take I'm a big up too much talk. time out of the day um 
Yeah. Do you have a busy busy schedule for the rest of the uh, afternoon? Now? Uh, just the, honestly, just a couple of mixed reviews, and then we're out and into uh, you know quarantining until the holidays, pretty much. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, are you going to be uh, in one place till all that's over? Yeah, and like yeah. I said too, uh, you know, I am lucky in that um, you know here it is in itself pretty isolated anyway. So you know, there's not a lot of coming and goings. It's not a right. <clears throat> You know, it's not um, like a large scale, like commercial studio where there's tons of projects in or out. It's usually just us. Or if it is, you know, anybody coming in and, and cutting other stuff out of here, it's usually a very low footprint and we can, you know, keep things safe and, and whatnot. So in that way, I am able to come in here and work on stuff um, and feel good about it and not, uh, you know, and not put anybody at risk. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That being said, you can't be too careful. And I'm hoping that everybody, uh, I guess, signing off on this, we've done a good job of not uh, doubling down on too much uh, <laughs> of the tragedy of this year. But I hope, yeah. do hope everybody is staying as safe as they can be, um, especially over the holidays and the rest of the winter to come. I know, um, I know everybody over there, you guys uh, are off to the races with the vaccine. Um, yeah, it's um, like quick side note it's rolling out now actually i think in the care homes and stuff so it's you know it's you it's all good man maybe maybe this time next year we'll right i, I look forward to, gigs, to it you know? i know yep um i was uh yeah it was interesting been having some conversation it was like man i wonder it's like very could well be that like is the uk going to be the first place that we like are able to like oh, to man. one get a tour off <laughs> so, i don't know uh, cross, man that would be that would be awesome not any crazy uh <laughs> you don't hold me uh no of course let yeah, anybody yeah. read in too much to more we'll put that, that as a headline casey guarantees 2021 right. uh, tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um i mean obviously <laughs> you know we uh we had all the hopes in the world to be doing slam dunk but uh you know yeah yeah that's but, a real um, shame man that, that's so, a great and again uh you know <laughs> I, I think um a lot of it's still yet to be seen but uh yeah fingers crossed i mean if it's not if it's not that initial date or something changes with that, then, you know, it, there's no way that we're not, the UK has always been our second home, uh, for yeah. a number of reasons. So, yeah. uh, we will, we'll of course be back and, and can't wait and, and are excited to see everybody again, our friends. Yes. Include, so. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Well, yeah, yeah, I hope you stay safe over the holidays and I hope you thoroughly enjoy it. Um, uh, and thank I'm you really once again. You do time. the same, you absolutely, yep. yeah, yeah, man. I'll uh, this was a great, great chatting with you. Be well, Thank um, you. and feel free to reach out if you need anything else from me in the meantime, man. Yep, that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Casey. Uh, enjoy cool. the rest of your day. See you soon, man. All right, we'll do. Cheers, take care.